Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. using today and will use are repetitive but we're looking at them from a different angle for a different subject matter last week we finished up we had been about two weeks in talking about uh the holy ghost now we're talking about that initial evidence of the holy ghost this morning it's kind of like a tongue and groove it's kind of like you know old johnny james you say you go to store and you know, get get a shoe that doesn't have a tongue they call that a loafer he said that what you'd be doing when rapture day comes if you don't receive the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in other tongues. Amen. Uh, nonetheless. Uh, but we want to talk today about speaking, speaking with tongues, speaking with tongues this morning. Acts chapter number one. Acts chapter number one. I'm going to start reading with verse number four. And uh, I'm going to read several verses of scripture. Then I'll let you be seated. And as I have done here in the past few weeks, I'll read some more scriptures and allow you to be seated as I do that. Everybody say thank you. Appreciate that. No problem. I can help it. Acts 1 and verse number 4. And being assembled together with them, that's Jesus with his disciples, let you know who's, who's assembled with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which we have learned the past two weeks is the Holy Ghost, which saith he, ye have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Going down just a little bit to verse number eight. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the other most parts of the earth. I want to point out, and we'll probably get back to this, that after, they, after the Holy Ghost has come upon them, he said, ye shall be witnesses unto me. Now, I'll just point this out real quickly. A lot of times we talk about them being, being a witness for the Lord here, there, and yonder to people. He said, be a witness to me. And so whenever, you're, whenever you are a witness, a witness basically refers to one who testifies notably verbally for another. Notice that happens after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. I want to look at that concerning speaking in tongues, you being that witness by virtue of speaking in tongues. Because you're testifying on behalf of another. Amen. Both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the other most parts of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Then return they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room, where both Peter and James and John and Andrew and Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew and James, the son of Alphaeus and Simon, the zealots and Judas, the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women, Mary, the mother of Jesus and with his brethren. And again, our subject matter today is speaking with tongues. Let's pray. Father, I come to you this morning. I pray, God, let your will be done, Lord Jesus, in the next few moments, Lord, of the service today. God, strengthen us, I pray, O oh Lord. Open our minds and our understanding to your word. Help us, O oh Lord Jesus, today to glean from the scriptures. Let these things, Lord, God, come to bear, Lord, in our own lives, in the life, Lord, of this assembly. And we will not, Lord, fail to thank you, Jesus, God, for speaking the truth, Lord, from your word. God, to us, help us God, not to be hearers only, but doers also. God, of this precious word, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning in Jesus' name. I'm going to continue in Acts chapter number 2, starting with verse number 1. Again, giving us this basis of speaking with tongues. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, 
They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound. Everybody say a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Everybody say wind. Now see, that's interesting within itself. That it talks about the sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. That it filled the house where they were sitting. And uh, there appeared to them cloven tongues like as fire. And I'm kind of paraphrasing the verses here even as I go. But uh, that they, they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. If you'll remember whenever Jesus spoke to Nicodemus. He spoke about how this baptism of the spirit that uh, the wind bloweth. He makes the correlation again. The wind bloweth where it listeth or where it desireth. And he said, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Amen. So we have this sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. You can't see the wind. You can hear the wind. You can see the effects of the wind. It filled the house where they were sitting, and there appeared in them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. Again, it's important that after the Holy Ghost come upon them, they spoke with other tongues. Just like, as I pointed out in Acts 1, uh, in 8, that after the Holy Ghost came upon them, they were witnesses unto him. Okay? And so again, Jesus is telling his disciples that after they receive, after they receive the Holy Ghost, they will speak with tongues, or if you will, from Acts 1-8, they will be witnesses to him. Again, I emphasize the, the, uh, a clear definition in our English dictionaries of the word witness is one who testifies for another. I think that's just tremendous. Amen. Because whenever you speak in tongues, you are testifying for the Spirit of the Lord that you have received inside of you. Amen. You will testify, amen, for the Holy Ghost by speaking in tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance, it says. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every, every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the dwellers of Mesopotamia in Judea and in Cappadocia in Pontus in Asia, Phygra and Pamphylia in Egypt and in parts of Libya about Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians. We do hear them speak in our tongue. So we want to recognize very quickly there are several nations represented here on the day of Pentecost. And with those nations are several languages and dialects that are represented. And it are these people that are saying we're hearing these boys that are Galileans that should be of one tongue and one language that is. They are speaking our tongue. Different ones are hearing our language. Some of the, uh, those of uh, Pontus are hearing them speak their native tongue. And Cappadocia is hearing them. They're hearing all this going on. The wonderful works of God. Hear, hear, hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt saying one to another, what meaneth this? Others mocking said, you're always going to have two types in the crowd, folks. Those that are inquisitive and want to learn more and those just going to mock about what's happening. Going to happen. These men are full of new wine, some of them mocking said. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, hearken to my words, for these are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. It's kind of early for someone to be drunk. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God. Here's what Peter's attributing it all to. I will pour out of my spirit what you're giving witness to, even here and others in your own tongue. All that is attributed to Peter saying to what Joel said. It's attributed to the pouring out of the spirit. Upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your own men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I'll pour out in those days of my spirit. And they shall 
prophesy. And so the question of 33 AD on the day of Pentecost was, what meaneth these things? It was a phenomenon to them to hear these Galilean uh, individuals speak in uh, these different nations and these different native tongues that were represented. Here's the thing. People still asking, what does all this tongue talking mean? They're, they're wondering, what does it mean? They're wondering if it's relevant. They're wondering if it's for today. They're wondering if it's of God or of the devil. We hope to maybe answer some of those questions, amen, through the word of the Lord. Speaking in tongues, uh, whenever you read uh, historians or researchers and scholars write about it, uh, they will many times call it glossolalia. I just call it speaking in tongues for crying out loud. But anyway, many times if you ever see that glossolalia, they're talking and referencing speaking in tongues. I guess it's maybe uh, the politically correct way to do it. Uh, do you speak in glossolalia? <laughs> Forget about that. Nonetheless, so, so the subject of tongues uh, over the generation even since the day of Pentecost, in some regards, has been uh, misunderstood by people uh, because they have not really understood the purpose of speaking in tongues or, uh, for that matter, a great mode or place of confusion uh, in society is people confuse the gift of the Holy Ghost and the utterance of speaking in other tongues with a gift of the Spirit in the book of Corinthians the gift of tongues that necessitates an interpretation of tongues. And so there's a lot of people get confused without there being uh, notifying a difference between the two, which there is, because they'll use scriptures out of like 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, and they'll try to apply that to the gift of the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues. And uh, when you do that, you err, because you're speaking about two different things. One, one's the gift of God that comes straight from God that anybody can receive. Another is, is the gift of tongues, which we understand they are the gifts of the Spirit. So all of those gifts, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, tongues and interpretation, gift of faith, all those gifts come from the Spirit. They belong to the Spirit. And so sometimes there's confusion because of that. People are applying certain scriptures that belong to one and other scriptures that belong to the other, and they muddy the water as a result of that. But here on the day of Pentecost at Jerusalem, where the Lord told his disciples to tarry, and where he said they would receive the promise of the Father and be endued with power from on high, amen, it is at this place that we have uh, the first occurrence in the scripture, amen, of the gift of the Holy Ghost, and the utterance of tongues as a result of that gift of the Holy Ghost. For several days, seven to ten, argue, you could argue one or the other, seven to ten days uh, that these hundred, about 120, the Bible says about 120, uh, were in the upper room uh, that they received this promise of the Father. That sound from heaven did come as recorded in the Scripture. They seen, as it were, cloven, which is a word for divided, divided tongues, all right, like as fire, Amen. And it sat upon all of them and they began to speak in tongues as the spirit. Again, it's important. We, a lot of times people overlook this, but as the spirit gave them utterance. This is not a mortal man that is issuing forth by his own ability uh, birth to some tongue that he's never been taught or learned. You receive the spirit of the Holy Ghost. And then that spirit that you receive gives the ability to give the utterance. Does it use your mouth, tongue, and lips, and vocal cords? Absolutely. But you would be unable to do this had it not been for the spirit that you received. The utterance belongs to the spirit. The utterance does not belong, per se, to the man. Yes, the man, the human body must be in cooperation with the spirit. Uh-huh. To speak it out your mouth. I'll give vocalization with your cords for the vibrations for the utterance to take place. But ultimately, it belongs to the spirit. Amen. Let's just look, if you will, at a few things. And I'm not giving, I could, but I'm not giving scripture reference for all of these. But they are here. If you want them, I can give you, them to you after scripture. But consider some, some of the facts 
from scriptural record concerning uh, uh, this, this tongues and, and this whole event that took place. Um, the event of this first happening took place on Pentecost, which is one of the Jewish festivals. It's 50 days past Passover, and there were, uh, even if there wasn't the outpouring of the Spirit, there was always a large gathering together of people from every nation that would come together on these days. Let's consider that those that were in the upper room, according to Scripture, were filled with the Holy Ghost, according to the Bible, and they did speak in tongues. Let's consider that about 120, about 120 were the number of those that were gathered in the upper room. And as a little footnote, that even Mary, the mother of Jesus, was included in that number that was in the upper room that received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. As a side note, lest we revere Mary too highly, she needed the Holy Ghost like every one of us need the Holy Ghost. All right? Blessed woman, yes, that the Lord chose her to give birth to Jesus. But she still had a sin problem that needed a spirit answer. Amen. And so just, just, just consider that. Amen. The disciples, the disciples spoke with tongues. Just give it consideration there next. They spoke with tongues. Again, I emphasize only after the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost came upon them. Again, it was the Spirit that gave them the ability. Now, many Jews, of course, were there from various lands and places. If you were to start to count there in Acts 2, you could come up with the possibility maybe of 15 different regions, possibly 15 different languages that were represented on the day of Pentecost. A mixed crowd, those who were amazed and those who were, you know, mocking as well. And this phenomenon was so grand that people talked about it. Because it said when this was noised abroad, not only the literally maybe of their voices in the moment, but people hearing what had happened in the upper room. When that was noised abroad, it caused a gathering. Folks, that's right. and this is, this is the way that it happens. And this is kind of a side note. But this is the way it happens for the modern day church. When something happens, if we can stoke the fire enough here that people will start talking about it. It makes people inquisitive about what's going on there. And a lot of times, you know what that does? Necessitate someone got to visit and see what's going on. We want to have enough of a phenomenon in each of our services that it's noised abroad. That then it gathers people and it piques the interest, say, what's going on there? These firemen know everybody. You got to deal with those people that just want to show up and be gawkers. Why? Because something's on fire. Would to God the church get on fire and we had some people come and gawk. Thank you, Brother Terry. Boy, I love you, man. Glad you're back. Hallelujah. Amen. Yes, come back and gawk. And so they heard this abroad. Some were marveling. That's all right. Others were mocking. That's okay, too. Right? Let me say the old source years ago at the first church we were having service. And it was Matt and Lewis Sutton. It was outside that door. The old church, they were out there. They were running back and forth across that back door in the back. As you was on the platform, you could see it. Man, they were hee-hauling, making faces in the door. Yeah. Lewis ended up getting the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So it's okay if someone to marvel and others mock. It's okay if Mike Penrod want to sit on the back pew and laugh at us. Huh? Because the mockers might be right where he is several years from now. Amen. Hallelujah. That's okay. See, some people, people, you'll notice this, that people sometimes don't know how to respond to something they don't understand. Some people laugh. Sometimes that just is showing their nervousness. Some people will mock because they don't want to accept something that they, can't that they don't understand. It's a way to kind of play things off. That's okay. Amen. That's okay. And so here they are. Uh, these are no, these are Galileans. A lot of these Galileans are unlearned. That's important. It's a good segment of these that, that are fishermen. They, these are unlearned people. So them to be speaking in another tongue is behooving some of these onlookers. Because these are, un, these are not polished people that's had the learning, you know, of a, a second language. 
These are unlearned people, but they're speaking in another tongue. And so Peter preached to them. He preached to them. He explained to them the miracle that's going on in the crowd. And he told them basically what they are hearing. This is, this is all the doings of the Spirit. And so the message that Peter gave them brought conviction to the hearts of the people so that they wanted to know what they must do. And he told them them about the repentance, the baptism in Jesus' name, and that they shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That probably rarely scared them. <laughs> but nonetheless, before the day's end, right, approximately 3,000 people had gladly obeyed the message of the apostle Peter and were added to the church that day. Now, let's consider some things concerning about speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues, again, is an event that is backed or propagated by the Spirit. Amen. In many ways, when a person speaks in tongues, it may be another language that's in our world. It may be another language in our world. You have all heard the stories, whether in the States or out of the States, of someone having received the Holy Ghost and someone else may be there that was a Spanish speaking person and say that person was speaking in Spanish whenever they received the Holy Ghost, but they didn't know a lick of Spanish. Or there's missionaries uh, that have told us about people speaking in our English language in some remote villages with, with these dialects that they have, but they were speaking in the English language. And they didn't know a lick. They didn't have a, a English as a second language. They spoke in tongues. So whenever you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, you may speak in another known language in this world, but you may also speak in a language that is not even of this world. You remember whenever in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I think it's verse number 1 or close thereby. It's either in 1 Corinthians 13, 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, the apostle was speaking about how whatever we do, we need to do with love. We need to do with charity. And he said, he said if, if, if I, though I speak with tongues of men and angels. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, I'm a sounding brass and tingling cymbal. So you may be even speaking in a Heavenly, it's always heavenly because it's propagated by the Spirit. But you may be speaking in a tongue of an angel. I'm just saying. Amen. Maybe speaking in the tongue of an angel. But nonetheless, it's a tongue that you don't know how to speak in. But you are speaking. Amen. That is all propagated and the utterance comes by the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so... In these environments, unless we have bilingual people within the church, most of the time then whenever the, we, someone receives the gift of the Holy Ghost, they're speaking a language that none of us know. They're speaking in a language that none of us know. Amen. And so when they speak in tongues, again, receiving the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues uh, is not attributed to the, uh, the linguistic ability of the individual. Amen. Or because they're intelligent, none of that. It all belongs unto the Spirit. It is the Spirit giving the utterance. Jesus clearly stated that speaking in tongues, look at it now, is a sign that should follow believers. The Bible says in Mark 16 and verse 17, And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils, and they shall speak with new tongues. Right? There's some other signs that should follow the believers as well. Amen. But that is one of the important reasons why in Acts 19, when he asked them if they have received the Holy Ghost since they believed, and they said they hadn't heard of any Holy Ghost, that's the reason why the apostles didn't like, what? You haven't? Then what about your baptism? Because we know from Scripture that speaking in tongues should be a sign of believers. When the Holy Ghost fell for the first time on the day of Pentecost, the disciples definitively spoke in tongues, if you'll look at it again, those about 120 in Acts 2 4, and they were all filled, all those 120 with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So they received the Holy Ghost and they spoke with tongues. And whenever we then again in Acts 19 see that those that needed to rebaptize were baptized, that were converts of John the Baptist, the Bible says that Paul laid his hands upon them and that they received the Holy Ghost. Look at it, Acts 19 and verse 6. And when Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came upon them, right? Not the order. Holy Ghost came upon them and they spake with tongues and prophesied. You're saying prophesied. Listen, prophecy doesn't just take the, the mode of foretelling an event that has not come about. I know that's our normal understanding, our go-to, prophecy. I, I've told you before, every time I get up here and preach the word of the Lord, I'm prophesying. 
Amen. Because here's here here is the definition of prophecy in 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 the original language: to break forth under sudden impulse in lofty disclosure or praise of the divine counsel. <laughs> Boy, that sounds like speaking in tongues, don't it? Break forth in impulse, huh? sudden impulse. Amen. You might not know what you're saying, but another place the Bible says they spoke in tongues and did magnify God. Amen. I've had stories personally. I've heard of people that received the Holy Ghost and they spoke in another language and someone was there that knew the language and things were being said like, God, I magnify you. God, I glorify you as they were speaking in tongues. Amen. And so uh, it's just tremendous. Philip, Acts 8, we're going to read a passage out of Acts 8. But Philip went unto Samaria and a great revival broke forth in Samaria as Philip preached the gospel. And there were a lot of people that were healed of disease and there were people that were even delivered from evil, unclean spirits in Acts chapter 8. And uh, because of this, of the miracles and wonders that were going to place, many of the Samaritans, again, there's a peaked interest and they believed. And uh, man, I love this because whenever diseases start to fall and people get healed, it will many times, it will many times cause a belief to arise in people that may never believed before. And, and that's the reason why there, there has been a misdirection of the purpose of signs and miracles in society for today. People are running to all the quote-unquote, you know, faith healers and stuff. But the, the purpose of the miracle and the wonders were never for the miracle and wonders in and of itself. It was for the purpose of creating belief in the people to take them from that to the miracle of new birth. Amen. To take them to the miracle of new birth. And so many of the Samaritans were believing the gospel. They were repenting of their sins in Acts 8. They, many of them were baptized, but there were, uh, they did not receive the Holy Ghost as of yet after all of this. And so being somewhat concerned, no doubt, about that situation, Philip calls for some recruits. He calls for Peter and John, some of the apostles he sent uh, for from Jerusalem to come down and help. And so this is Acts 8, and I'm going to start with verse, verse number 5, and I'll try not to skip around, but you know. Acts 8 and verse number 5. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. These are the Samaritans he's preaching to. And the people, which is great anyway because they're a half-breed of a Jew and a Gentile. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles, boo, which he did. You want to give credence to what somebody says, man, just let a miracle happen. I'm serious. People might not care one one iota about what we say around here, but you let a miracle start happening from this place. You're going to second guess about what you're talking about. Maybe there's something to what they believe. For unclean spirits, look at this, for unclean spirits crying with loud voice came out of many. Folks, that starts happening. That's going to get the attention. Amen. That were possessed with them and many taken with palsies and that were lame. We're healed. And there was great joy in that city, but there was a man, certain man, called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery. All right? So, uh, and he bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. And so now what's happening in their midst was the true power of God. And so you can almost imagine the difficulty and the struggle that they are ha having, having seen some pseudo miracles and then maybe something very similar. And they're trying to decide, you know, what is this? What's going on? You know, Simon got some other people working under him. Now what's, what's taking place? And to him, they all had regard because of a long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But we must understand what Simon did, what Simon did was, was a pseudo sorcery. All right. Amen. Amen. It was not of God. But when they believed. Samaritans are believing now. Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. They were baptized. Good for them. He that believeth not shall be damned. He that believeth in his baptized shall be saved. They were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon, here's the sorcerer, himself believed also when he was baptized. And he continued with Philip because he's interested. This guy's kind of cutting in on my, you know, clientele. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't have a monopoly on this business now. 
He's wondering about the signs, miracles, and unclean spirits departing. He continued to fill up and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now, when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them. These are those who have been baptized, those that are believing, that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Parentheses here, for as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid their hands on them. Boy, good thing coronavirus wasn't happening then. Then lay. They were just dealing with leprosy and stuff like that. Then laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon, look, and when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. What did Simon witness? So much so that he knew they received the Holy Ghost. What did Simon witness? Just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. I'm, there it is. Well, if that's the case, what did Simon's, what did he witness? He laid, they laid their hands on them. They received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through the laying on, what? That the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. He's wanting to buy this power. He wants to lay his hands on some people and have this transference. Saying, give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. Well, Simon, how would you ever know they received the Holy Ghost? Let me ask you this. <laughs> we don't pay for the Holy Ghost. It's a free gift. But if someone was to pay for it, how would they know they ever got it? But Peter said unto them, him, thy money perish with thee because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased, which it can't, with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Then answered Simon and said, Pray ye to the Lord for me, that none of these things which he has spoken come upon me. In other words, Simon says, Okay, I'm wrong. I need to make things right. Amen. Okay, so Philip knew that even through the Samaritan believers, they, they believed the gospel, they were baptized in Jesus' name, they had seen miracles and signs and wonders in their midst, but Philip even knew they had not yet received the Holy Ghost. Let's put it, just let's, let's, let's level the playing field here. You can have a sign, miracle, wonder without having received the Spirit of God. You don't have to be a Holy Ghost-filled person in order to get a miracle. You can be baptized and still not have the spirit of Christ. He says these folks believed the gospel. They had repented. They had been baptized even in Jesus' name. They had seen signs, miracles, and wonders. Some of them even may have been a, 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 a product of it. Maybe some of them even received the miracle themselves. But they didn't have the Holy Ghost. Philip says, we got to get some more people down here because that's great for their sign, miracle, and baptism, repent. All that's wonderful, but they need the Holy Ghost. They need the Holy Ghost. And so how in the world, though, did Philip even know? How did he know they had it or didn't have it? Hmm? Because he knew. He knew the precedent that was set. He knew the precedent that was set on the day of Pentecost. That after the Holy Ghost came upon them, after they received the Holy Ghost, they spake with other tongues, or the Spirit gave the utterance. And so when Peter and John arrived, could come down and help in the revival of Samaria, the Bible says they laid their hands on those that believed, and when they did, immediately they, the believers received the Holy Ghost. Well, how did Peter and John, here we go again, how did Peter and John know that they, believers, received the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Again, Acts 2 and 4, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Amen? I might be seeming like an overkill on that this morning but let me be an overkill <laughs> whenever we speak in tongues the spirit gives the utterance it's not necessarily an ability of mine I just you know and I, I want to give I want to give some parameters I guess to this whenever the spirit moves upon us you may find yourself in prayer you might find yourself sometimes in the service when the spirit moves upon you in you, if I even be more clear, you might feel sometimes that then in that mo moment, it's given you the utterance then to speak in tongues all over again. And that's fine. I encourage that. 
I'm fine, and that's encourage that. Again, that's not of your own ability or own willpower. And that, I'll say this, and then I'll bring explanation to this. I don't believe that uh, speaking in tongues is just something that we turn off and on. But watch me right here. But I believe it is in response to the spirit that we have inside of us. Meaning this, some people can slip into speaking in other tongues more easily than others because they're more sensitive to the spirit they have inside of them. Okay? And that was not meant to be a jab under the fifth rib, by no means. But as a man... As a human being, Bishop, I don't believe I can just slip in and out of it. But if I allow this flesh to be sensitive to the spirit I have and walk in tandem with the spirit, I can find myself slipping into that a whole lot easier whenever I'm walking in tandem with the spirit than when I am not. In other words, if, if, it, if it's been a long time since the last time you spoke in tongues, you might find it difficult to slip into speaking in other tongues. But if you make that a practice of your day-by-day day life, then it ain't going to be as hard whenever they say start praying and all of a sudden the spirit moves and an utterance comes forth. Does somebody understand what I'm saying right now? Amen. And so uh, it's when the spirit moves within us. And I've told you before, I oftentimes pray. A prayer of mine is, God, I want to be easily impressed by your spirit. I want to be easily impressed by your spirit. And Sister Margaret, that goes with me speaking in tongues. I want whenever that spirit comes to me easily. Amen. Being able to surrender my members of mouth and vocal cords and tongue to speak in that heavenly language. Amen. And so, again, uh, it moves upon us. It happens. Uh, tongues are not just some gibberish. I, you, I say that a lot of times in people's ears when they're seeking the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, you know, uh, oh, it's just some unintelligible babble. Not so if there's somebody there to, from another country that understands it. It must not be too unintelligible. Hmm? Again, at least 15 different uh, districts or languages represented on the day of Pentecost. Amen. Most of them, they heard every man heard them speaking their own tongue. Genuine languages, again, if it were not the language of the angels. Note, if you will, Acts 2 and verse 7 and 8. They were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue? I think that's enough credence to decide that they were genuine languages. I mean, today I don't know the number, but I know it's hundreds upon hundreds today of languages throughout all the world. And then you have all the different varying dialects of even the certain languages uh, throughout the world. And so whenever you think about all of this throughout the known world, amen, people speaking in other tongues, languages that perhaps they don't even know, or even the language, as I already made reference to, of, of angels, amen, Speaking in tongues is, I hate to use the word supernatural. Uh, speaking in tongues is a spiritual, amen, manifestation of God himself. On the day of Pentecost, the sound that preceded speaking in tongues, again, note, this is important. The sound that came, the wind that blew, the cloven tongues that was above, it came from heaven. Scripture says it came from heaven. For every proponent that thinks it's of the devil, its initial founding place of origin occurrence came from heaven. Amen. Look at it. Uh, that's in Acts 2 2. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. It's that sound and that mighty wind that blew in that room. It's that which sat upon all of it. It came from heaven. Amen, brother. It's still coming from heaven. Hallelujah. I don't want to just speak in the past tense, it's still coming from heaven. Amen. It gave the disciples the ability to speak in tongues. Amen. Acts 2, 4, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak. And began to speak. Amen. Those who spoke in tongues proclaimed the wonderful works of God. Look, that's what those around heard. Acts 2, 11. We do hear them, those that were hearing them in their own native tongue. This is what I said a lot of times, even speaking in tongues, whether we know it or not, is magnifying the Lord. We do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. There's your witness again testifying for another. Huh? Those who spoke in tongues did magnify God. I alluded to this earlier, Acts 10, 46, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Amen. And so tongues are a spiritual, might we say, manifestation from God. It is not to be a spiritual manifestation of the demon dark lord of the, another world. 
As a matter of fact, all throughout the scripture, anytime you see speaking in tongues, it is always associated with the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, and it's never associated with works of darkness. Right? Not, 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 not related with darkness, not related with the works of darkness. They spoke in tongues that they did magnify the wonderful works of the Lord. Right? If it had to do with darkness, I tell you what, some of these unclean spirits we see in the scripture, some of the, the, the demoniac of Gardair, that had been a real great place to throw in that they spoke with tongues. Right? But dynamics change, don't they? You, you, you want to denote, you, <laughs> scripturally wise, denote the unclean evil spirit. The one of, Gadare- of the Gadarenes cut himself, self-harm. And he was ill-clad. He wasn't clothed. The seven sons of Sceva that thought they would go lay hands on the one with an unclean spirit. Remember that? And then the demon said, well, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know, but who are you? Remember what the demon did to those seven boys? Took their clothes. Mm-hmm. And wounded them. So if you want some indicators of some foul play going on. Whew, Watch out for the naked and the wounding. Can I just as a side note, that just underscores that much more why we need to be modest. Well, God. Because when we get less clothed, we're starting to deal with some spiritual matters. Well, that's later in this discipleship series, but it fit real good right there. Amen. So the initial evidence of receiving the Holy Ghost, the first record of of tongues use in Scripture is its evidence of being filled with the Holy Ghost. The initial evidence, the first indication that they received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I say first and I say initial because that's not the only indication that you receive the Spirit of God. The fruits of the Spirit will start manifesting themselves in your life. The love and the joy and the peace and the gentleness and the goodness, right? And the meekness, the temperance, the faith. Those things will start manifesting themselves in in, in your life. Uh, There will be a certain level of spiritual maturity, a new nature. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing, though. That should greatly contrast then the old way that you lived prior to receiving the Holy Ghost. Amen. So initially, amen, speaking in tongues. But there are other evidences of us walking in that spirit. Amen. That will also manifest themselves and give evidence. Again, Simon, if you'll even remember, he, he noticed that through the laying on of hands that it happened. So there, there's some type of evidence that Simon seen heard that gave him the, 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 the guarantee in his spirit. You know what? They, they just received the spirit of God. I, I'd like to have that to be able to do that. So on and so forth, trying to buy it, you know, if you will. Amen. Some, some are, are mistaken into thinking even that receiving the Holy Ghost is an unobservable event, but it is not an unobservable event. Amen. Have you ever seen someone receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost? And uh, it wasn't just speaking in tongues. Bishop often talks about Sister Rhonda's face. It just glowed. Man, she was just like a countenance had changed upon her. A countenance had changed upon her. Amen. Sometimes there's other observable things that accompany that manifestation or that sign of speaking in other tongues. Amen. Hallelujah. Someone say hallelujah. Whenever Cornelius, whenever Cornelius, the, the, the Roman centurion and his family received the Holy Ghost in Caesarea, Peter and some of the Jewish disciples had accompanied him were there and they were beyond doubt that they'd received the Holy Ghost. I know these seems like old paths we beat down all the time, but one of the ways that they were sure of it is for us in Acts 10 verse 44. The Bible says, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word and they of the circumcision. Those are the Jewish Christians. They of the circumcision uh, which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because that the Gentiles Cornelius and his household also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so we automatically ask, uh, someone probably in society would ask, well, how did they know that? For they heard them speak with 
tongues and magnify God. Then Peter, then answered Peter, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. And so Peter and his disciples, Peter and those other Jews that came along with him, knew that Cornelius and his family had unquestionably, they were astonished, unquestionably received for one. They didn't know the Holy Ghost was for the Gentile. They thought it was for the Jew alone at first. But they unquestionably, amen, were, were, were just awed because they had received the Holy Ghost just like they had received the Holy Ghost. And they heard them speak with tongues. Someone say Amen. Some have thought Acts 2, the original infilling of the Holy Ghost and the utterance of speaking another tongue. Some have thought that the only reason why tongues were evident or even took place on the day of Pentecost was because there were all, listen to me, because all these other nations of the world were gathered and they spoke in tongues, peoples, different peoples, native languages, because that was for the purpose in that moment, the gospel was being preached to those other people because they were speaking in tongues and probably speaking in their native language what they needed to do to be saved. Someone say amen. It sounds like a, sounds, man, it sounds like pretty good logical thinking. But notice that it was not speaking in other tongues that brought about a response of repentance and conversion to the onlookers. It was the preaching that Peter had done. The scripture does not indicate that the about 120 disciples does not indicate that they preached in tongues on the day of Pentecost. Matter of fact, Peter, whenever he spoke to the crowds, he did not preach in 15 different languages for all those different nations that were gathered together. He preached was likely from one language. There was the Greek language of that day was the universal language for the nations. So he spoke to them in terms in which they could understand. But the scripture records 120 speaking in tongues. Listen, they spoke in tongues before the crowd even ever assembled. That was noise abroad. It caused the gathering. They heard it, but they were doing it before they even ever showed up. All right. So it's not some so perfect. Well, they were just preaching the gospel message in these native tongues for the people. No, 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 no. They weren't speaking in tongues because the crowd arrived. They were speaking in tongues because the spirit had arrived. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then it was noised abroad. Amen. So receiving the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, still accompanies it today all around our world. Still yet today. Amen. Someone say amen. <clears throat> when we read in the book of Acts, the Holy Ghost, in the book of Acts, it's important to note here at this point this morning. Oh, I'm already. Oh, hallelujah. Glory, amen. I'll finish with this, I guess. <laughs> wow. I didn't really. We're having fun today. The recorded incidents of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost here in the book of Acts are never referred to as the outpouring of the gift of tongues. That's important. They're referred to as the gift or the outpouring or the receiving of the Holy Ghost or the receiving of the Holy Spirit. Because as we'll get into next week, we'll start going down that road. The gift of tongues, which is a gift of the Spirit in 1 Chronicles 12, 13, 14 area, is a separate gift from Receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost and utterance of tongues. The purpose of the two are different. The purpose of the two are different. The giving of the two is for different reasons. All right. And so we're going to look at that because a lot of the clouds and a lot of the confusion sometimes comes between Holy Ghost utterance, amen, of tongues and the gift of tongues that is spoken of that's uh, capable for the New Testament church in 1 Corinthians 13 and 14. Amen. Stand with me today. I, that's a good as landing spot as any, I guess. Amen. Amen. So you, the, the crux of what we've covered so far is this. You will speak in tongues when you after you have received the gift of the Holy Ghost. 
you will speak in tongues. That's not my opinion. That's a scriptural, scriptural-based declaration. You will speak in tongues after you receive the Holy Ghost. All right? And you may have felt something and not spoken tongues, but you will speak in tongues when you receive the Holy Ghost. Amen. That's really one of the people up here, if they ever receive the Holy Ghost, or even in prison for that matter, I'll ask them, did you hear yourself speaking in another language outside of the English language, if they're English speaking? Yes, particularly in the prison, I go a step further. Do you know any other languages? Because some of them look like Spanish people and they speak English. They might know Spanish. Do you know any other languages? They might reply. Did you know the language that you were speaking? And they're just smiling like basketball chipmunks, brother. I don't know what the world is. This first time that ever happened to me. You just spoke in other tongues. This is what the word of the Lord says about that. That's not me telling somebody they got the Holy Ghost that didn't get it. If they admit to me that they spoke a language right then that they didn't know, I'm just clearing up their understanding in the moment. That this is not a farce. You spoke in other tongues. My Bible says there's only one way that that happens. The Spirit gives the utterance. Therefore, you've received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Oh, I'm glad I got it. I'm glad I got it. I got it. There's something about the power of the Holy Ghost. I can't explain it, but I got it. How can God take an English-speaking boy that never been out of the country at eight years old and cause him to speak another language when he probably didn't have a good grasp on the English language? Let's bow our heads today. Father, I love you. God, I appreciate you. God, I thank you, Lord, for your spirit. I'm thankful, Lord Jesus, for the utterance, Lord, the evidence, Lord, the indication that the spirit gives. Lord Jesus, the sound, Lord, that comes, the witness, Father, God, that comes, Lord, after I've received the gift of the Holy Ghost. I pray, oh, Lord, today, God, help us, Lord, not to fail, Lord Jesus, to be mindful, Lord, of the moving of that spirit in our lives. God, to speak in that language, in that tongue, Lord Jesus, I pray. I pray even the mighty things of God and magnify and declare the wondrous works of the Lord God by it. Lord, we love and appreciate you today. God, continue to open our hearts and understanding God as we learn of you through your word in the name of Jesus Christ that I pray amen and amen everybody say amen amen God bless you today in Jesus name we are back here tonight thank you for listening if you would like more information about our services and activities you can find us on Facebook Instagram and Twitter with the username FACMC again that's FACMC thank you and have a blessed day